Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When we were photographing for the marketing department, you'd have two minutes in a, a horribly lit office with a person in a suit that doesn't really want to be photographed. So you quickly learn that actually photography isn't about all the things you thought it was about. It's about problem solving and uh, making the best use of your time and just reacting. <laughs> you, don't, you don't always have to be able to think. One of the problems India Hobson hasn't had to face is finding work. In fact, she's the very definition of a self-starter. So much so that she was already semi-professional in her second year of university. I'm Matt Bowen. This is Phototypes. It's Matt freaking Bowen. Oh my India Hobson loves grey, which you might think is unusual for a photographer in a world pretty obsessed with colour, but particularly through her social media channels, she uses that shade to her great advantage. Well, let's welcome India Hobson to Phototypes then and find out more about her. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Have a look around you. Tell us exactly where you are and what you can see around yourself. Uh, I am sat in my office at the moment, which I tend to call the back cave because it's a, a room in my house that doesn't have any windows. <laughs> and so all I can do in here is work. Don't really get distracted, so that's good. Everything is kind of colour coordinated um, by accident. There's a, we've got a, a palette of uh, black, white and beige mainly. A little bit of orange every now and then. For um, some reason, I've managed to do that to myself. I don't know how. Um, yeah, my computer in front of me and a load of books and papers and magazines next to me and a picture shelf with my uh, current treats on it. So, like bits and bobs that I collect from places uh, or picture form, and that changes kind of regularly based on where I've been and stuff, so, yeah. Nice, sounds good. Did you purposely pick to have no windows in that room that you work? Oh, no. No, this is a room that it couldn't be anything else, really. It's just like, it's got no windows. It's not big enough for a bed or anything. It could be nothing other than an office, so yeah. it just so happens. It also means that if I'm working in here and I feel like I'm missing out on the rest of the world, then I have to leave it. And normally it means that I work in the evenings or at night if, I'm, if I've got computer work to do. Because I like the daytime, so I go out and, <laughs> and spend my time in the day. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, lock myself in here. Yeah, there's no light to be seen. I was going to ask you if that kind of um, hinders, as somebody who obviously works a lot of visual stuff, whether being in that room is alien to you. Um, I, I would say I don't really like it very much. But I think that's that's a good thing because it means that I don't spend that much time on my computer. I think I try to do as little in here as I possibly can, <laughs> get it done, and then get out. So 
it's not particularly pretty. More functional. Maybe maybe that's how I've colour coordinated everything to make it kind of easy on my eye. <laughs> that could be quite a uh, interesting way of looking at it, though. That um, you know, you make your workspaces as, as horrible as possible so that you actually uh, <laughs> so you don't get time yeah get through your editing really quickly. Because um, yeah. I am the worst at procrastinating when I edit. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not like like the edit is the easiest bit for me because you just you just pick what you like and what works and, and stuff and then and then my processing like workflow is relatively simple. I don't really change much to anything. So yeah, I, I guess it kind of done <laughs> and, and then and then I'm out and I'm free. <laughs> As you alluded to your editing and workflow process, let's just very briefly touch on that. What what mm-hmm. what is your editing process? Well, I, I go through and I make a stuff. It depends on whether the works for me or for somebody else. Um, normally, it's for somebody else. Um, so I will go through and make a, a basic selection of shots so people aren't blinking or yawning, <laughs> uh, or light tests and things like that, and get through those. Uh, send send the first edit to the client and then see what they come back with and then and then yeah just a process by the um i think intuition is probably the best way to to describe it um i don't have like a a set preset kind of thing that put onto everything it, it changes with the the needs of, of the job if something needs to be like really uber contrasty and quite filmic then I'll go down that route if it needs to be soft and, and delicate then then I kind of go down there as well so uh, I use Lightroom which massively helps me um, but everything is individually tweaked and, and played with so that each image is hopefully <laughs> at its best rather than just one one kind of uh, thing that I apply to everything and yeah I export and, and send off uh, so it's it's not really that complicated. I very 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 rarely use Photoshop. Mm. I'm not I'm not a retoucher in in any way, shape or form. Um, if anything does need anything, then it goes to a retoucher. But it's very rarely. It's only if there's like a comp a comp that needs doing. So if we've got like for a couple of advertising things that I've done for um, theatre and, and stuff like that, if something needs to be a completely different shape or with a different background, someone else does that because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> That's okay, you know, you don't need to know. It's a different skill, it's a different skill. <laughs> yeah. Do you shoot all digital? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I've got I've got a, um, I, I don't, I believe in in it being better or worse than any other medium, but it just it's the way that suits me. I like I'm, I'm, I like photography because it's immediate. It's quicker than drawing, and I can get immediate results from it. And using digital means that I can shoot something, have a look at it, view it, and immediately reflect on it and and improve. So I uh, I'm very uh, thankful for for digital photography. And like I say, I don't, I don't use Photoshop. I don't do anything as such other than playing with the, the levels and uh, colour tones and things like that. But I think you can do a lot in camera and being able to see what you're doing along, alongside really helps you to do that. So a lot of the time I'll shoot, I'll shoot to and that means that you can look on 
on the screen and see what needs changing and do it there instead of wasting money and having to reshoot anything. So. All right. Well, we should explain to people what sort of a photographer you are. That's as with any any kind of creative, quite a difficult thing to put into words. <laughs> uh, I shoot primarily with design agencies for a, a world of different clients. So I can go from manufacturing and photographing the process of uh, glass making or uh, something like that that's done on a big scale and uh, very automated to photographing someone hand carving a spoon or portrait work for editorials, uh, magazines and, and things that, and websites. And then to the individual who wants me to photograph their product. I think that a lot of the work that I do is people-based. So I'm normally photographing people, which I really enjoy because I get to meet all kinds of different different characters and go all kinds of different places. It doesn't necessarily mean it's exotic, but I like visiting new places because you get to see different things. You know? Even if it's in Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All my Bolton listeners have just turned off there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can, just be nice to them later on. Oh, yeah, I will do. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, let's rewind your life a little bit. Um, how old are you now, India? I am 28. Okay, so not very old in terms yeah. of career-wise. Yeah. When you were at school and college and that sort of thing, what did you want to be then? I always wanted to be a visual merchandiser. <laughs> I wanted to um, dress windows. That was uh, that was my goal, which is a bit of a strange thing. Um, and then I learned that you needed to use uh, hardware tools, and I went right off the idea. Not really like a, a shelf putter upper, <laughs> so I did an art foundation, and that's how I fell into taking pictures. So, did you go to university? Um, I did. I did an art foundation um, before that uh, and specialised in photography in that, the last term. And then I went to, I studied photography at the Manchester School of Art. And yeah, it was a really good course. It was really uh, self-directed, three years of, of play and research into whatever you want to. It wasn't very prescriptive. They didn't tell you you have to do a documentary project in black and white and you have to hand in 10 pictures. They just, they gave you a really open brief. Sometimes it was just a one word or so and you responded to it in however, however you wanted to. So I uh, threw myself into that. So I really enjoyed it and just carried on really. I um, registered self-employed in my second year at uni and also got a job assisting a photographer in the marketing, marketing department. So got a lot of, well, I learnt very quickly then that commercial photography is quite different from the fine art world that I was being taught. Just explain those differences then. Uh, okay, so we at university, I was doing a lot of fashion work and, uh, yeah, fashion work mainly, I think that's the best way to describe it. So I was putting teams together of models and makeup artists and stylists and that kind of thing and working towards something in the studio. So I've got a mood board and I was playing with lighting to figure out what it would do and, and and then making some kind of fashion story from it. That's all fine and good and you build a portfolio of your your best work when you, you've put yourself in a situation that pleases you and everything goes right and everything's the way you want it to be. And, and then 
when we were photographing for the marketing department, you'd have two minutes in a, a horribly lit office with a person in a suit that doesn't really want to be photographed. So you quickly learn that actually photography isn't about all the things you thought it was about. It's about problem solving and uh, making the best use of your time and just reacting. <laughs> you don't you don't always have to be able to think. You just have to problem solve and to just yeah whatever you get is what what you have to use so. yeah it's um unless you are in that sort of studio setup world then it is you turn up and you get you, you make the best of what they give you yeah so when did you first pick up a camera probably when i was about 17 i think and not not like i wasn't born with one or anything like that <laughs> um my dad was doing a, a college course in photography and i probably uh, used one of those but I can't really remember it um, I did uh, when I was uh, I did drama as an A-level and we had a, a photographer visiting the school and he was doing a project with the Arts Council uh, trying to make teaching look fun I think <laughs> and um, he well I just helped him out basically and, and was just interested in what he was doing, he was going around all the classrooms and photographing uh, lessons in progress and and making it look like everyone was having a really good time at school and I asked if I could shadow him and then that slowly turned into a, an assistant job where I was helping him at weddings and things and I think I, I remember the first time that um he let me second shoot for him and that was at a wedding we uh, gave me this little 35 mil camera four rolls of film and all all those four rolls of film there was about two shots that were even focused never mind actually <laughs> good so that's quite memorable <laughs> i don't remember the wedding at all i just remember battling with this piece of metal <laughs> but yeah i don't really have a first pickup camera moment i don't think <laughs> no but i don't think that many people do and if they do then they've made it up and romanticized it a little bit perhaps <laughs> yeah um, yeah. I think a lot of people which I've found doing this podcast have kind of fallen into it in a way or done yeah. it alongside something else. So either they enjoy landscapes and surfing and scenery and that sort of thing yeah. and, and have taken the camera along the along with them on the way and, and got into it that way. So yeah. yeah. I mean I remember watching a documentary about Rankin and uh, he said something wanky about he'd been photographs him since he was four years old and he sees life through a, a, a six uh, by four frame like come on nobody does that you know, that's that's not I real life think, i think it's like i think yeah it's not like i was ever like i was born to do it or anything like that but i certainly um, don't ever switch off i think you, you do kind of especially i think maybe because what i do is that along the way i photograph people but there's always in between moments and I find myself at the moment falling into doing things like still lives and interiors and I really really enjoy that because of the lack of life in it I think so I whenever I go anywhere just I'm always looking I think you're always switched on and that's just the notion of being creative I'm sure everyone does and go and they find colours and patterns and things everywhere so yeah without sounding like ranking <laughs> you, you do kind of still see don't you when you look yeah. but I wasn't born with a camera in my hand, definitely not. <laughs> no. Do you have downtime when you don't have the camera? And if you could um, if you could photograph whatever you want now for the rest of your career, what would you mm. photograph? So let's start with the first question about downtime. Um, 
I've just finished like three weeks of back-to-back shooting every day for other people and I am absolutely um, knackered from it basically. <laughs> it's very rare that I shoot back-to-back. I like to give at least a day or so in between so I can uh, handle the workflow. So um, at the moment I would say that now is my downtime <laughs> but this is the period where I talk about making pictures with other people and uh, we plan to make more pictures so that I'm sure along will come another three-week back-to-back shooting session. <laughs> um, it, it's like one extreme to the other. You're really busy and then you're really quiet. But uh, I always have my phone. And I do a lot with my phone. So I don't know if I have downtime as such. But I, I'm not working right this very second. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah. And if I had to shoot one thing for the rest of my life, uh, I, I would cheat at that answer and probably say people because that involves everything really um, and and if you photograph different people then you always get a different result uh, yeah I've just, I've just started a, a project that, that's not for anybody else other than me based on people that grow things and cultivate things and look after things that aren't cats or people so allotment keepers and bonsai people and houseplant collectors like myself so um yeah people <laughs> which is cheating no no you can never do the same thing even if you photograph the same person twice so i think that's yeah i like variety i mean that's why i do what i do i, I don't think i could do the same thing day in day out so so i'm quite lucky i get to do a mixture yeah and uh people are very interesting and that's why I do this podcast because I like speaking mm. to people and, and meeting new people and hearing about their stories um yeah. when you left university you said that you kind of had already started being self-employed did you do any mm. other jobs after university um I worked in cafes maybe I think I think the most I worked was four days a week and then I started to hate that time more than the time that I was off. So eventually had to just pack that in and I thought I'd rather be poor and struggle than than go to work in a cafe that I really didn't like. So um, yeah, kind of just, I had supplemented what I was doing. And then I've been fully freelance for, I don't know, maybe four years now. That yeah. sounds a lot, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, are you poor and struggling now? Um, I I wouldn't say that I'm poor, but you can always work more. <laughs> um, no, it, it supports me, and that's and that's really good. And uh, I'd I'd much rather like I think you measure success and in different ways, don't you? So I, I'd much rather do a job that I love and be in control of it and 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 just feel fulfilled than than surround myself with expensive things. I guess. Uh, it depends what you value, doesn't it? And what you do every day is probably more valuable than than anything else you can buy. So, how do you find your work now? Well, I think it kind of finds me. I work with a lot of design agencies, and and basically they'll just call me or get in touch if if I'm right for a for a job, um, and. That, that can be anything from working for universities or architects or, or anything really. I just 
they they call me up and I trust that if they've asked me to do something then I'll be right for it because that's the nature of what they do. Uh, all people come direct to me but um, most of my work is through agencies. Yeah. And did you approach them first with a portfolio? Yeah, I did, yeah. There's quite a lot in Sheffield actually and all the work is, is although I'm based here, I, I, prob- I probably work here maybe 10-15% of uh, overall of what I do. Everything else is elsewhere. Um, and yeah, I, I went to them and I did like a, a trip to everyone and I do regularly go in and just remind them that I'm here and and uh, show them new work and things like that. Uh, it's it's a really good way of, um, I suppose, getting getting work because they they're constantly looking for people that can produce content for them. And normally, if you're rebranding or you're redoing somebody's website or something, the best way to make it look completely different is to give them um, imagery that's created for them. It's not stock, and then you've got a bit of control over it and yeah, so I really enjoyed this. The studios that I've worked with so far, I just find really enjoyable and it's not, not like work at all. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Are you from Sheffield originally? And, um, you know, what you are know you... I am, yeah. I um, went to school... A place called Hunter's Bar, which features in the Arctic Monkeys songs, <laughs> um, and yeah, just um, from a big city, I guess. Well, not right. They say it's the biggest village in the world, so it's not really a city. But, um, and your um, parents, what do they do? Do you have brothers and sisters? Uh, my mum was always really creative. She was a play worker, uh, and and dad worked in the the NHS, so. I don't, I don't really know how I got to be the way I am, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to link the uh, upbringing side of things. To, uh, sometimes there isn't a link, and uh, yeah, you know, I don't. Sometimes there is a link, and sometimes it, you yeah. know, you take a completely different turn to what your parents do. I guess know? I, I uh, my mum was always really playful with what what she did at work. She always looked after kids and got into fire paint around and stuff like that but all right so um well let's move on to my next question then and we can try and find out what inspires you i guess i don't know about inspires but i think everything now that's a really obvious answer that's what everyone says to everything i like uh the way that light falls and things and i think that it can if if something's lit in the right way then it can make it 
beautiful and I think that I, I like finding beauty in things that are typically beautiful so uh, yeah I think I think that's what I like to do that's what inspires me beauty in weird places and it's usually because the light's fallen in a really nice place so I guess it's the light light inspires me because it, it brings out colours and I think colours are really important in what I do I don't like bright brash primary colours I'm, I'm like a natural neutral tone yeah I, I like the natural world are you the sort of person who um, takes a wander around your environment and goes location scouting oh yeah definitely I much prefer working on location to to in the studio I think I like responding to, to what I'm given and I think that you can do that much more I, I like putting pictures together as well I'm like a I like see things in series rather than kind of an epic masterpiece that's one shot that encapsulate everything because I don't think you can do that. I think that you have to have a certain thing certain number of things next to another to make to make a story. And I think because I do things for editorial purposes, there's always you have to make a story so that they've got a choice and they can sometimes the briefest create a 10, 10 picture story so I kind of work like that instinctively and when somebody comes to you with a brief like that how much freedom do you have how much input do you have in, in how that story flows um, normally I get a lot of freedom actually I think I, I kind of I ask for roughly how many images they're looking for to, at the end there's always a million more uh, that I actually provide but then it depends what they want to say within that story and then, and then I'll ask for a voice. So um, if, if they're looking to make something look attractive or who's the viewer, I guess. And then, and then I can just, I try to be honest the whole time. I, li- I like honest because what's the point if you're just going to make it up? Um, and yeah, I guess I, I get a lot of freedom because it is what it is. And that's what I share. I, I won't ever like like something differently I, I like the way that everything is naturally so if I can make people see that it's beautiful without changing it then, then that's what I'll do who's been your biggest influence on your career I don't know really I, I don't have like a, a mentor or anything like that I've had quite a few people who I guess I look up to I don't know if I'm going to name anyone specifically I guess I get, I'm very very motivated you have to be want to do it yourself you, nobody tells you to get up and go to work or to do anything. You, you just do it because otherwise you don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the answer to that question, but there isn't really anyone who is the biggest influence, I guess. I guess, yeah, just wanting to make yourself happy is is, is as big an influence as any. Yeah, it's a pretty good motivator, that. <laughs> that sounds really big-headed, but I tend to do. No one else can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So Exactly. If uh, if lots more people lived like that, then we'd get a lot yeah. more done, I think. Yeah. What excites you, then? Grey excites me. Grey? Yeah, I really like... Um, I really like... So, colour. Colour definitely excites me. I like when colours just sit right next to each other and I like 
Uh, the subtle tones that you can use by just restricting yourself to one colour palette and uh, for example on my Instagram feed I, I don't post as and when I, I work through a, a colour scheme and I don't dictate that I let it dictate me so at the moment I'm in a um, I can only post kind of green and ochre and that's the like the best part of of the colour palette for me really so I'm quite lucky but so where I've been and the colours there around me kind of guide my Instagram feed rather than just it just being a series of different events and things that I've seen and yeah that that makes me really happy it's just really satisfying when colours come together <laughs> which is a bit sad but that's the nature of what I do, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way of using your social media then. Do you find that gets a, a, a different response than you would if you'd put sort of everyday happenings on there? Yeah, I think so. I think I noticed that I was doing it um, a couple of years ago. I was just doing it by accident. And once I noticed that I was doing it, I couldn't really stop. So <laughs> now, now it, it dictates what I post and I really like that. And I think that... I get a lot of comments and things saying how it, how pleasing it is to look through as a it because there's a there's an option to not look through it as as a large image you can look through the thumbnails of it and I, that's why I I really enjoy that so I think that yeah it's I think I get a, a different audience it also means as well that I'm not just posting one type of image it's not just mm. landscape so it's not just uh, I have to vary what I'm doing so that so that it remains interesting. And it also means that when I go places, I'm looking in certain colour palettes and and that just gives you a bit of a direction, which is quite nice. Yeah, rather than posting pictures of cats and waffles. and Yeah, food. yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's cats on there, but, yeah. but only because... Depends what colour they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I find that as well that I don't really post red. Red, I don't really like red as a colour. Obviously, it can work when it works, but... Um, yeah, I very rarely venture into red, so that's quite interesting. Oh. If I was a psychologist, I would be grilling you on this, but mm-hmm. as I'm just the humble host of this podcast, <laughs> I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll let that slide. But um, <laughs> if anyone who's listening has any ideas as to why India doesn't post much red, then please do get in touch with us uh, <laughs> at PhototypesPod on Twitter. Um, all right, what scares you could be red. Um, yeah, I think it is. It's when when you put like colours together that I just wouldn't normally put together, um, and I think that's that's quite scary for me because I, I don't know why it just doesn't sit right in my. I think that a lot of what you think is beautiful and what like in composition and there isn't a hard and fast rule, and it's just kind of inbuilt into you. It's intuitive, and you know when it's right or wrong for you. And yeah, bright colours next to each other, that's what scares me. Yeah, <laughs> to avoid that, I think. Or or just, you either avoid it or embrace it. So if somebody comes and they've got a really bright collection, I just think, right, okay, <laughs> just do it. And then it kind of frees you up in a different way and you do make different work. But if I'm doing it for me, then it'd always be grey. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a very well-brought-up, well-mannered young lady. Um, but what's your favourite swear word? <laughs> I think you have to have one that, that suits the the context that it's in. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that, very honestly. Do you have one that you most use? Um, 
Or do you not swear very much? I don't think you swear very much, India. I don't know. I don't know. I probably do, and I don't even notice that I do. <laughs> well, you've managed not to swear during the course of this interview, so... Oh, well, that's I mean, good, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's, that, right. that's a first for most people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it really comes into... Um... Okay. Well, if you could be anything else for a day, let's move on, shall we? Okay. Um, if you could be anything else for a day, what would you be? Absolutely no about that. I would be a florist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would be a florist. I like early morning, so that's all right. I uh, don't mind getting dirty, and I like, I like, yeah, the natural. I like greenery. I like flowers. I like making stuff. So I think that would suit me quite nicely. I know a little bit of Latin, so I'd be all right there. <laughs> no red flowers, though. No red flowers. No, absolutely no red flowers in my uh, in my shop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, who, living or dead, would you love to photograph? If I am photographing someone, I kind of see like the picture is secondary. I quite enjoy the the hour or however long that I've got to spend with them, talking to them. That's kind of like, they tell me stories and things like that that you can't really express in a photograph. Um, so I think yeah, I'd have to pick someone that I just wanted to have a good conversation with. Um, and I reckon that... There's, there's probably a, lot, a huge long list if I really sat down and thought about it. But I'd really like to have a conversation with Paolo Reversi, who is a, a fashion photographer, and he's got a really good brain. He likes light probably a little bit more than I do, and he really understands it. And yeah, I think I think if we could get through the fact that he's Italian and I'm English, then we could have a really good conversation, and I'd have come out feeling my heart was all big and I was really inspired and I just wanted to take more pictures but really slowly um, and then and then in a slightly different see everybody's either a photographer or a painter I, I'd go like Edward Hopper or um, my, my favourite painter is called uh, Wilhelm Hammershoy and I'd love to photograph him I think because I think he'd he'd make an interesting picture and also it would look exactly the way that I would want it to be because his world was very great as well. Ah, oh, now you see. Now I'm getting on to uh, what inspires you again. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah, I think in in that in that sense, uh, I definitely look to painting more than I look to photographers. I like painting. I think they, they understand light and I, I really like that. Give me some advice for another photographer. I would I always encourage them to play. I think that's the, you've got to be playful, you've got to be open-minded and trusting. And you also have to be flexible. Uh, I think that you have to work, like I, like I was saying before about you, you make your portfolio based on the best of everything and you're never ever put in that situation. So you should uh, put yourself in, the, in situations that you don't know how to get out of and get out of them <laughs> um, but yeah just play around there's no rules of anything if it looks good then it's generally good and you, however you get there is the way that you get there you just have to find the right way for you I think that's that's important I think as photographers you, you tend to just do things the way that you do them and think that that's the only way but it's the only way for you so yeah, in terms of advice, I would say just keep playing. The, the only way to get better at something is by doing it and by being open-minded. 
and scaring yourself a little bit. Yeah, challenge yourself. I like yeah. it. All right. Who else should I be interviewing on a uh, podcast like this? Who would you like to hear from? Um, I find anybody's practice really interesting. I think, um, especially from like a photography point of view, like the, the thing that I would really like to do that I would never ever get the opportunity to do is just follow someone else that does something, <laughs> something similar to me and see how they do it. I've got, there's quite a few uh, people nearby that, that do kind of, uh, I don't know how you do it, more like high-end uh, finished work, whereas mine's really soft and naturally lit. They they kind of go all out with the lighting. I'd really like to see how like we'd approach the same brief. Um, but I guess name-wise, like in one way I'd like to go for really big name, but actually no, I think it's just anybody's interesting, aren't they? You all work differently and stuff. So There's a photographer nearby me called Sean Bloodworth and he he makes really, really interesting pictures of musicians. Um, he'd be quite interesting to interview. India, has been really fun chatting to you. Thank you very much for uh, coming on to Phototypes. Tell Sorry. everybody where they can find you on the internet and social media and all that gubbins. On the internet. Okay, well, uh, my, my website is indiehobson.co.uk, so fairly easy. And uh, I'm lucky to have a special name, so I think there's only one of me so far. Um, so yeah, just work back, walk into Hobson into Google, and you'll find things. And my Instagram is India Hobson. Well, so fairly easy. Don't have a pseudonym or a um, special like Batman identity or anything. <laughs> Even though you live in a bat cave. <laughs> Even though I live in a bat cave, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much once again. That's all right. Thank you for having me. Well, if you're enjoying Phototypes, then please subscribe, rate and review us and spread the word to other people you think might like it too. You can say hello on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Phototypes Pod. Phototypes is now available on Acast and I highly recommend that you download the Acast app to your iPhone as you'll be able to see more content on there. For example, when our guests talk about specific images, they'll pop up onto your screen. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns